0: John chapter number 17 this morning. John chapter number 17. This is the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's often referred to. And Jesus for the last several chapters has been teaching his disciples and helping them, preparing them for his departure. He was going to die on the cross. He'd be buried. Three days later, he'd rise from the dead. And then 40 days after that, he'd ascend into heaven. And... uh he was preparing, Jesus was preparing his disciples for the days that are ahead. He had lots of wonderful things to say, like, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Uh, in chapter number 15, he says, uh, "He says I am the vine and you are the branches. He teaches his disciples, if you'll abide with me and abide in me, you'll bear fruit. He teaches how to pray. And he's working in the lives of the disciples and preparing them. And we come to chapter number 17, and the setting hasn't changed. Jesus begins to pray. and he prays this high priestly prayer, the presence of his disciples, and he is literally praying for his disciples. And I'm confident that this passage of scripture applies also to any of His disciples today. How many of you are followers? Of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't need to uh, answer that with your hands or a nod or a grunt or anything. But how many of your followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you want to be used by God? You are His disciple. And God has called you to this. And there's some wonderful truths here from God's Word I think will help you in regards to this high priestly prayer. Some people i refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. And I would agree wholeheartedly with that. You know, the Lord's Prayer is the model prayer. And he taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, how to be thy name. You know that. That's not the Lord praying. That's the Lord teaching the disciples to pray. And I understand there's no fuss here. That's the Lord's Prayer. But this is the Lord's literal, actual prayer. And Jesus, God in the flesh, God's Son, the Savior, the Christ... Eternal God is praying to God the Father. And I don't know about you, have you ever been like in on conversations between important people? I've not been in very many. I've not had very many, but this is probably the most important conversation that's ever been. Have you ever thought, boy, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in that conversation when those two men met There's never been a meeting any better than this because God the Son is praying to God the Father. And I'll just tell you in advance, we'll only begin to scratch the surface of what's here. But there's some things here I think will help you this morning. Let's read together this high priestly prayer. John chapter 17, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself. And they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe. That thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me. I have given them. That they may be one. Even as we are one. I and them. And thou and me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know. That thou hast sent me. And hast loved them. As thou hast loved me. Father. I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. And I in them. And that is the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never apologize for reading God's word. My goal is, if the Lord will tarry his coming and let me live, I'd like to read the whole Bible from this pulpit to the congregation of the Child Baptist Church. But we're going to do it a little bit at a time. Like 26 verses today. But I want to share with you something from this prayer. There's something that really encouraged me and helped me. A thought that really... Jumped off the page as I read God's word and studied to preach. The Bible says in verse number nine, this is a prayer of Jesus. He's praying for his disciples. And Jesus says to God the Father, He says, I pray for them. You see that? I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them, them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I like that phrase, I pray for them. Now, I don't know how many times during the course of a week I tell people, I'm praying for you. And I think it's good. It's right. And honestly, if I tell you I'm praying for you, I am. How many of you ever said, I'm praying for you, but it was a lie? (laughs) Don't do that. Stop it. We should be praying. And if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, you should at least stop at that very moment and pray for them. Because you want to make sure if you tell somebody you're praying for them that you do. Pray. It's encouraging. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Cody, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And that helps me. I'm thankful. I've had folks send me text messages, and I always appreciate that. I'm praying for you today. And personally, I want to do the same thing. And often I tell people, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And that's good. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you, I'm praying for you, and it really helped you? Would you raise your hand? Isn't it great? Now, I want you to know something. That's good. But when Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, the eternal Savior, Jesus Christ, when he says something like, verse number 9, I pray for them. That's encouraging, isn't it? There's evidence all through the scripture that Jesus literally prays for us. Isn't that great? I'm thankful for you to pray for me, and I appreciate that a lot. And it means a lot. But when Jesus says, I'm praying for you, and that goes a long way, doesn't it? Oh, what a blessing. He says, I pray for them. And when I study this, I see this passage of Scripture, and I see Jesus say to God, the Father, I pray for them, my disciples. I couldn't help but begin to dig to see just exactly what he prayed for. What did Jesus think was important to pray for in regards to his disciples We'll see in the scriptures some wonderful things. Let's just introduce it here at the beginning of the first few verses. The Bible says in verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. First thing I like to see is the uh, the stature of Jesus when he's praying. Now, there's all kinds of means and ways in which you can pray. You can pray kneeling, you can pray walking, you can pray driving. As a matter of fact, last night I talked to a lady and I was praying with her. I I said, "I said, let's pray together. She's on on the phone. She said, well, I'm driving. I said, well, don't close your eyes. I said, if you close your eyes, God's going to be mad at you. And uh, I said, let's pray together. There's nothing wrong with that. And Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. His sweat becomes great drops of blood. And I'm pretty sure he's kneeling there in prayer. But here he's praying standing. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. We should be in the spirit of prayer. And Jesus praying, standing, and he prays. He says, Father, the hour's come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. He wants to glorify God. And by glorifying God, he'll also glorify himself because he's God the Son and God in flesh. Verse number 2, the Bible says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. The second thing in this prayer that Jesus says, he begins to declare the attributes of God. It's a good thing to do. Now, Jesus is praying here, and he is God in the flesh, and he's declaring not only the attributes of his Father God, but of himself. He says to God the Father, he says, You have given me power over all flesh. How many of you ever tried to get power over your own flesh but failed miserably? Paul, the apostle, said, he said, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I do, not want to do, I do. How many of you say, I don't want to do that, but your flesh is weak? Now, I'll tell you something. It's just evidence and proof positive that you cannot save yourself. You can't give yourself eternal life. Some people have this notion that religion gives you eternal life and religion is the picture and this idea. It's a false notion that says, if I'll be good, then God will be good to me. It's a works religion. No, 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 no. It don't work like that. Your works aren't good enough because you've got a dirty, rotten, sinful flesh and all God's people have to say amen or "Owe me either one. And so Jesus says something very important here. He says... As thou hast given me power over all flesh. Who has power over your sin? Jesus. Who can forgive it? Who can redeem it? Who can give you eternal life? Jesus. He says, here's an attribute of God worth noting. He says, you've given me power over all flesh. That he, He speaking of himself, should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. He says, I'm able, and Jesus declared, he has the power to give eternal life. Where can you get eternal life? Good works, religion, nope. Church attendance, nope. Where can you get eternal life? Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I want you to pay attention to that little phrase. You see that, before the world was. Jesus is reminiscing of a time that he was in the glory. When did Jesus say he had glory? He said, I had glory with the Father before the world was. You know, there are a lot of folks who believe that Jesus was conceived in sin and born and just so happened because of A lot of cosmic circumstances become the most famous person to ever live on earth and was a good man and did good deeds. And his story and his myth has transpired the ages, and people have been following him because he was a good man, a good prophet. That's a lie. He was a good man, he was a prophet, he was a priest, he was a king. He's the Savior of the world, but I want you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus' beginning did not begin in Bethlehem's Major. Jesus is eternal, He is equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He is eternal, He is God. God came in flesh. We could have everlasting life. And Jesus makes it plain in this passage of scripture here in one other place that he is eternal God. What's he say? In verse five? He says, I, want to rest, "I I'm coming to glory. I'm coming back. He was going to ascend into heaven. He's going to prepare a place for us. He was going to glory in the glory like he was since eternity's past. The Bible says in verse 24, he confirms this once again. He says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. How long has Jesus existed since the foundation of the world? He's eternal, eternal God. And Jesus says, I'm praying for you, disciples. And he says, I have every right to pray for you as my disciples because I have overcome the flesh. I have prepared heaven and eternity. And I can give you eternal life. I am God's son, equal with God the Father. Folks, I want you to know something. When he's praying for you, you have reason to trust. When he's praying for you, you have reason to rest. When he's praying for you, you have reason to to know that God is on his throne and he 's faithful, and I love to hear that little statement Jesus praying to God it 's like being a fly on the wall, and one of the greatest conversations ever happened, Jesus speaks to God the Father, and says, I pray for them, and if you're a disciple of Christ, you want to live for jesus he 's praying for you too isn't that wonderful? now the question must be what's he praying what's he praying what's the emphasis of jesus prayer if Jesus says it's important. We should too. And there's three things we can see in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is praying. The first thing Jesus is praying for his disciples is keep them from evil. He's praying keep them from evil. In verse number 6, he begins to talk about the world. And the world is in contradiction to God and his word. And the world here is mentioned 19 times in this prayer. Jesus is in opposition to the world, worldliness, things that are against God and his word. And Jesus is in opposition to the world. The Bible says in this verse verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And he keeps talking about this. Verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And then he says in verse number 10, if they are thine, if he said, now this is kind of the words kind of get, can become jumbled here. But I mean, it's so simple. Jesus says, I'm praying for my disciples. He says, you've given to them to me because they're yours, God the Father. But he says in verse 10, he says, and all mine are thine and thine are mine and I'm glorified in them. What's that mean? Really simple. What belongs to God the Father belongs to God the Son. What belongs to God the Holy Spirit belongs to God the Son and the whole and God the Father. It's that they're one. They're one. You see, three parts of the Godhead, but they're one. And they, Jesus says, "What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours." It's like Ruth and I. You know, they'll say, "What's mine is hers, and what's hers is hers." Maybe. <laughs> Amen. But with God the Father and God the Son, what's his is his, and what's his is his. They operate in two parts, but equally and together. It's important we pay attention to this. And so Jesus says, I'm praying for them. I pray for my disciples, but not the world. I'm praying for my disciples. As a matter of fact, I'm praying for my disciples. In verse 11, he says, "And now I am no more; I am no more in the world, but these are in the world." He says, "My disciples are in the world." He says, "And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, as we are." The Bible says, verse 12: While I was with them. In the world I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Verse 13. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. What does Jesus say? He's praying. He says, Lord, keep them from the evil. Protect them. How many of you noticed that we live in an era and a time when there are temptations rampant everywhere? Who would ever thought that you could carry around in your hip pocket a device that was rich in temptations all the time? Who would ever thought it? Temptation is rampant. Now, you can curse the cell phone. I appreciate the cell phone. It's got a lot of great uses. But like anything else that God wants to use for his glory and good, the devil wants to pervert and make it something that's difficult. I am saying that there are temptations, and there's temptations everywhere. And Jesus says, I'm praying for my disciples. God, keep them from evil. The emphasis is so rich and real and right that we need to pay attention. Jesus praying, keep them from the evil. Do you know what Jesus wants you to do? Stay away from sin. Jesus wants to keep you from the evil. He wants you to be pure. He says, I want you to be kept in unity with us. Verse 11 has something interesting to say. He says, I'm praying for them, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. What's he want? He says, I want them to be one. I want there to be unity among the believers. I want to be in unity with us. What does Jesus pray? He says, keep them from evil. If we're going to be kept from evil, we're going to have to have unity in our spirit with God the Father. We're going to have to be godly. We're going to to be Christ-like. Have you ever heard people talk about being Christ-like and godly? It's important that we are. We should have a unity in our spirit with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've seen those braces, what would Jesus do? I like the principle, I like the premise, I, I like the reminder. I'll just tell you something. If your words aren't the words that you know that Jesus would comfortably speak, you are being sucked in to evil. They're saying in your heart. And life. If your reaction to trying times and difficult circumstances is not the kind of reaction that Jesus or God the Father would have, you are not in unity of spirit and you're being sucked into the evil. Jesus says, Oh Lord, I pray that we'll keep them in unity with us. We should strive to be godly. Jesus prayed, Keep them from the evil, keep them in unity. Verse number 12. He says, keep them in your name. I like this uh, principle. I like these thoughts here. Verse number 12, the Bible says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. What's that mean? I kept them in thy name. That word name means nature. Have you ever associated a name with something? You associate a name with something? uh, Like if Cody were very dangerous, uh, this is a Cody situation. It's dangerous. You can put their name with their nature. Uh, or if someone's really gracious and kind, and you could say, that's a, uh, that's a, a Bobby experience. That's a, you've put the name. You know what I mean? Names and natures. When you think of somebody's name, you can see that you kind of get in your mind their nature. And so the Bible says, Keep, I'm, I'm keeping them in your name. He says, I want them to stay within your nature. Let me tell you something. If you'll have the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have the nature of creator God, you're going to find yourself avoiding evil and staying away from evil and finding the things that are right and pure. And Jesus prayed, keep them from evil, keep them in your name. Verse 13, he says, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. What did Jesus pray? Jesus said, keep them in your joy. By the way, let me tell you something. You're here today and you're saved. You're a disciple of Christ. You know the Lord Jesus by faith is your Savior. But you have no joy. Now listen. The devil is going to want you to blame somebody. For the fact that you have no joy. But God in his word wants you to understand something. That the absence of joy in your life if you are a Christian. Is the byproduct of the fact that you've let sin creep into your life. You see. Sin and joy can inhabit the same Christian heart. Joy is something that God gives us. God gives us joy in spite of the circumstances of life. But I'll have you know something. If evil has creeped in and you've allowed yourself to become tempted by sin and you're living in sin... Joy is something that you can't experience. And Jesus prays, Lord, keep them in my joy. I like how Jesus does this. Jesus doesn't just stand up and say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And I understand. And there are times when we need to be very plain. When the Bible's plain, don't do this, thou shalt not. But Jesus says, I know how to keep people. From falling into evil. I'm going to encourage them to do some things that are right. Live in unity with God the Father and God the Son. Live in the nature of God the Father and God the Son. Live in joy and pay attention and let the joy in your heart be a testimony to the sin that may creep in unaware. Jesus says, I want to help you. I'm praying that I'll keep you, that you'll be kept from evil. He prays in verse 14, keep them in your word. The Bible says in verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Keep them in my word. He says, I want you to know my word. Thy word is truth. In this passage of scripture, it says, Thy word is truth. Jesus says, Keep them from me, keep them in your word. By the way, God's word has a wonderful, powerful ability. Keep us away from sin. There's an old song that sin will keep you away from God's word, and God's word will keep you away from sin. And we need to emphasize God's word. Jesus says, keep them in thy word. And he says finally in verse 15, he says, keep them from evil. How does Jesus pray for you? Jesus says, Lord, keep them from evil. You see, if you're willing to dabble in sin and you want to keep one foot in the world and sinfulness and one foot in church and godliness. I only know something. You are preparing yourself for a miserable existence. And by all means, choose God. Choose God. Jesus' prayers that you'll stay away from me. Why does God want you to stay away from evil? Because he doesn't want you to have fun. That's wrong. It's not true. The happiest... People, most fun-loving people I've ever known and met are people who are free from the bondage of sin and experiencing and loving the grace that God gives. So by all means, if God convicts you of your sin, stop it and see what God can do. Jesus prayed, Lord, keep them from the evil. He wants you to get out of the evil that you've been part of for so long. He wants you to get away from the sinful lifestyle that you've allowed to exist for so long. He wants to set you free from that and give you joy and bless you and use you as his disciple. Who's Jesus praying for? Peter, James, John, Andrew, the whole crew. He said, "Lord, keep them from evil, protect them from sin, so that we can use them for your our glory." It's wonderful that he did. Number two, what do he pray? He says, I pray for them. Number two, he says, use them. I'm praying that we can use them to evangelize. There's a couple of interesting things here. Verse 17, I like this. The Bible says, In verse number 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The word sanctified means to be set apart for an intelligent purpose. Jesus says, I'm setting them apart. I'm praying that they'll be set apart to do something and have a purpose. I'm sending them in the world. Verse number 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. He says, I'm sending them in the world. Verse number 19, he says, I'm sending them in the world with the word of God. The Bible says, and for their sakes... I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through truth. Verse 20. The Bible says, Neither pray I for these alone. Not only do I pray for my disciples, but I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who's he praying for? He's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for all the people who get saved because of their witness. He says, I'm praying for them that believe on me through their word. It continues. Verse 21. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That the world may believe thou hast sent me. Now, we can't forget the main thing. Jesus is praying that God will use the disciples... To evangelize the lost. He says, Lord, I'm praying for them that will be saved because of their words. The disciples' words. He says, Lord, I'm praying for them that many may believe that thou sent me. What's he want us to do? He wants us to be evangelists. He wants us to tell the lost. Folks, never, never, never excuse away your responsibility to tell others about the Savior. It's not just the preacher's job. It's not just the Sunday school teacher's job. It's all of our jobs as disciples of Christ to point people to the Savior. It's so important that we do. Jesus has pray. He says, Lord, keep them from evil. Use them to evangelize the lost. And finally, number three, give them unity. Give them unity. I can't go into all the details because of time, but I want you to see a few things. It's a repetition. Repeated theme all through this passage of scripture. But begins especially in verse 21. The Bible says and Jesus praying. That they may be one. You see that word verse 21. That they may be one as thou father art in me. That they may be one just like you and I are God. That's his prayer. Verse 22. The glory which thou gavest me I have given them. That they may be one. Even as we are one. Verse 23. In them. And thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. One. What does Jesus want? Jesus prays among his disciples that there will be unity. Unity. When I was in teen class, I was just a seventh grader here at Joy Baptist Church. We sang a song. We had the Olympian clubs for the kids and We went, pressed on into the teen group. And we sang this song. Uh, It had this phrase in it. Pressing on with one accord. And we always went, beep, beep. In the power of the Lord. Pressing on in one accord. That little phrase has always stuck with me. And the more I study God's word, the more important it is to me. One accord. We're not talking about a Honda. (laughs) One accord. We're talking about... Unity of the Spirit. You know what the devil loves? Oh, he loves church fights. Oh, he loves it. You know what he loves? He loves for you to get here and somebody is in your parking spot. Oh, he loves it. He loves for you to get here and somebody's in the seat that you want to sit in. He loves for you to get here and you're upset because... The same weeds. And I'm telling you something for real. I meant. I mean I meant to spray the weeds around the sign. They're growing up through the rocks. It's driving me crazy. And I meant to do that. But I didn't. I forgot. And you come in here and you see the same weeds growing up in the flower bed. That the preacher didn't spray. And you get on campus and you're mad about something. And it's always something weird. Weird. Or something just little. And the devil's like, I'm going to make a mess today. And he prods you to be upset about something. And breaks up the unity of the body. And you know what happens? Those things happen. They're going to happen. They're going to happen in our church. But what happens is if you let those things fester and boil, the next thing you know, you start... Or even the preacher starts, gets aggravated about something, and he runs his mouth. And the unity in the body begins to dissolve. Let me tell you something. If Peter, James, and John, the very men trained by Jesus himself, needed Jesus to pray that they'd have unity of spirit, that they might be able to be used of God, we need it too. And you know what God wants? God wants there to be unity among the body. There's no room for fighting over things that are frivolous and matter none for eternity. There's all the reason in the world to stand behind the word of God, the person of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, the ministry of evangelizing the lost and helping people and serving our community. There's all the reason in the world to get unified. So, I just want to let you know something. If you're tempted to be about this or that or what have you just remember jesus is praying that you'll have a spirit of unity jesus is praying that you'll have a spirit of oneness the same kind of oneness that god the father and god the son have they work together perfectly all the time god wants us to have that kind of spirit what's jesus praying for what's he? he's not praying for health wealth and prosperity He's not praying that there's no rain on Sundays. He's not praying that there's no trouble. Jesus is praying. And he's praying very specifically. He's praying, Lord, keep them from evil. Lord, give them a burden to evangelize the lost. And he's praying, Lord, help them to have unity in spirit so that we can work in their church and in their homes and in their marriages and in their lives. Jesus says, I pray for them. I pray for them. Oh, may the Lord help us. I'm thankful he's praying for me. If I knew God was praying for me, that I'd get something straightened out, I think I'd do it. Have You ever heard the stories of mamas praying for their kids and the kids over here mama praying? <laughs> they hear mama praying, they're like, oh my goodness, I better straighten up. Oh, you know something, God's praying for you. And it's sweet. But if you are living in contradiction to his prayer, then by all means, repent, return to the Lord, and heed his prayer. He says, I pray for them. I'm glad he does too.